In this parasha, the Torah tells us that Torah, the Torah is not in the heavens. You don't have to climb into the heavens to access Torah and mitzvahs. You can access Torah and mitzvahs here on earth. It's very accessible and very close to you. Now, the line Torah is also used in Chazal as a description of a very fundamental principle in halacha. That the Torah is not in the heavens. Which means that often Chazal have debates about certain halachic issues. And we have two great people having differences of opinion. So, there are certain, a certain methodology by which we decide which position to follow. But one thing we know from, from halacha, that is a fundamental axiom, that Halacha should never be decided based on some heavenly intervention. That means if we have some kind of miraculous or supernatural indication that Halacha should be like this position or that position, we don't follow such instructions. So the famous story with Rabbi Yezer, Rabbi Yezer disagreed with all his colleagues on a certain subject dealing with Tuma and Tahara on cleanliness, a complex topic and Rabbi Yezer refused to concede to his colleagues. And to prove that he is right, he engaged heavenly power, supernatural events that he created on demand. And those events were supposed to prove that heaven agrees with him. And Chazal dismissed it and said that this means nothing. Because Torah ever since Matan Torah, the Torah has been surrendered to human beings. It, it traveled from heaven down to earth, and from henceforth, the Torah belongs into the hands of the sages. And of course, Moshe gave us a methodology how to interpret the Torah. And it can only be decided through human deliberation. The deliberation of the sages, and they, they need to decide what Allah should be. This is a very, very important principle, and a classic principle, prophecy. And the Chazam Saif explains it very simply. What would happen if we allowed uh, prophecy or heavenly intervention to decide halacha for us? Then there would be no limit, because uh, this can lead to t- terrible consequences, because we had in history people that claimed that they had prophecy. Some of them even had magical powers, which as we know from Torah, there could be such things as magical powers that are not clean and not divine. They come from an unclean place. And they claimed that the Torah changed or that the certain halachas should be different than the way they were practiced. So how do we protect ourselves against that? So this principle is very, very critical for the preservation of halacha. Because if halacha can only be decided by human reasoning, then we know that anybody who comes and makes a claim that they have information from a supernatural source, we can't accept that. It's a great way of, of, of preserving uh, the, 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 the um, immutable nature of Torah. Now, 
There's a story in the Gemara. The Gemara says the Rabbi Banachmeni was once pursued by the government. May have been the Persian government. Apparently, somebody told on him that he was preventing thousands of his young students, uh, scholars, from paying taxes. Because what happened was that the Rabbi Banachmeni had conventions like twice a year for a month during Tishrei and Nisan where many of the young scholars would come and study with him and they would leave their homes for a month and this was exactly the season when the government would send the tax agents to collect the taxes from every household so when the tax agents would arrive during Nisan and Tishrei to collect the taxes these young men wouldn't be home to pay the taxes so somebody revealed to the government that this is due to the fact that Rabbi Banachmeni is leading these conventions and all these thousands of people are leaving home and they're never available to pay taxes. So they blamed Rabbi Banachmeni who doing it in purpose, purposefully at that time of the year so they would they, they'd be able to avoid paying taxes. So the government wanted to capture Rabbi Banachmeni. Rabbi Banachmeni was on the run. He was fleeing. The long stories in the Gemara about the miracles that happened to him. Eventually, he ended up somewhere in a field away from civilization. He wanted to hide out in a place where they wouldn't catch him. And the Gemara describes how he was sitting on a stump of a, of a tree. He was studying a very complex subject in halacha. Rabbi Nachmeni famously said that I am an expert in the laws of leprosy, Negoyim. In, the, in uh, some other areas, but related to some very esoteric laws dealing with Tumen Tahara. Now, in the laws of leprosy, the Torah describes exactly what is the type of leprosy that is considered unclean, that renders the person unclean, it must be separated from the community, and there's a whole procedure to get the person cleansed, ritually cleansed. So, the Allah is that if somebody experiences a discoloration of the skin, there is a part of the skin on the body that turns white. And then in the center of that spot, which turned white, there is also two white hair. The person is considered unclean. What if the hair turned white before this, the skin uh, discoloration occurred? That means first the hair turned white and then the skin turned white around the two hair. Uh, the Allah is in that case he's not unclean because the Torah makes it very clear that the chronology is important first the skin has to turn white and then the two hair that are white have to appear on, right there with the, with the skin turned white now what if we don't know a person looks at his skin one morning and sees that there is a white spot and there is two beautiful white hair right at the center of that discolored area of the skin the Allah is uh, and he doesn't know which one came first he didn't pay attention he only noticed that after they were both there he doesn't know which one came first the Allah is there uh, Rabbi Banachmeni um, was able to hear what goes on in the heavens that there was a major debate in the heavens and the heavens they study Torah too and the Mesifta de Rekia that's the heavenly celestial yeshiva Celestial Academy, which of course is participated by great Nishamas and Malachim, who are debating the, the um, subtle intricacies in Torah, they believe that in that case we should be strict. 
and err on the side of caution and be strict and the person should be Tomei, considered Tomei, since we don't know which came first. HaKadosh Bochu, that's the language of the Gemara uses, HaKadosh Bochu is, as we usually translate, the Holy One, blessed be He, that's Hashem. He disagreed with the heavenly academy, the, the celestial yeshiva, and he said Toher, in that case he's Toher. So, it's interesting in general, how can there be a debate between God and the Masif Tadarikia, the celestial yeshiva? So the Alter Rebbe is a long beer on this, and the Rebbe in Asir, gives a beautiful, beautiful way of understanding this. But of course, it requires deep Hasidic training and understanding of this. What is HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So then the decision, the consensus was in the heavens. Since there is a debate on the subject, let's ask Rabbi Banachmeni, because Rabbi Banachmeni is an expert in this area, the area of leprosy. And they asked Rabbi Banachmeni, but while... Um, as he was, um, they asked him, they turned to Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi heard the voice of heaven that he needs to make the decision what Allah should be. He heard a noise in the, behind him, which he perceived as riders of the king that had finally caught up with him. And he panicked because he thought that they caught him now and they're going to kill him. So from the great panic, the Gemara says he died, but it says that he asked Hashem to take his soul. He says, I'd rather fall in, be taken by you than be taken by the um, the agents of the king. And he passed away, but it says this, a moment before he passed away, he was able to respond to the, um, to the call. They called upon him to make a decision about this ambiguous situation, where we don't know which one came first, the spot, discoloration of the skin or the two hair and he said Toher, Toher twice Toher, Toher, he agreed with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. that's the story in the Gemara, the one says that he died right there in the field in fact it wasn't the riders behind him it was just a bunch of um, you know um, reeds and, and branches that were moving from the wind and he thought it was riders it was a false alarm but how did people know that he died? So it says there was a note that fell from heaven in Pumpedisa, which was one of the major centers of Torah, right in that area. And it said that Rabbi Ben-Hurin passed away. The rabbis, Abayi and Rav, went on a search to find where he was. They knew from that note that, that Rabbi Ben-Hurin is no longer amongst the living, but they didn't know where his body was. So it says they went to, out to the fields until they found him. Now, the Rambam paskins, not like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but like Mesif Tadarikiyah. Despite the fact that Hashem disagrees, in spite the fact that Rabbi Ben-Achmin agreed with Hashem, and uh, there is actually a Mishnah, where Rabbi Yeshua and the Chachamim disagree on that, sub, on that same question. And there Rabbi Yeshua says, like Mesif Tadarikiyah, that it's Tommy. If you don't know which came first, you should uh, consider it Tommy. The Ramah Paskins like Rabbi Yeshua and like Mesif Tadarikia. And the question is why? How can he go against HaKadosh Baruch Hu? And the case of Mishnah on the spot says, Lui Bashamayimi. He cites the Pasuk in this week's Pasha. Torah is not in the heavens. It shouldn't be decided by, even by HaKadosh Baruch himself. Hashem himself said, I want human beings to decide halacha. 
says the Kesem Mishnah, however, Rabbi Banachmeni was a sage here on earth. He's not in the heavens. And he agreed with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So why don't we pass like Rabbi Banachmeni? He gave the final decision. And he says, because Rabbi Banachmeni was on the brink of leaving this world and going up to Shemayim, then whatever decisions he made at that moment, right before leaving the world, it's considered coming from heaven. This answer of the case of Mishnah had puzzled many commentaries. Some Seifim, you know, also asked the question, well, what does that mean? He was still alive. If he was literally, physically alive, even though a minute later he was going to be in the heavens, but right now when he gave the decision Torah Torah, he was a living human being. So what does that mean? Because he was on the brink of dying, on the brink of death, therefore his decision that he made when he was still alive, he was still in the body, it's considered Menashemayim. And therefore it's not strong enough, it's not a basis to use for halacha. Because Torah Leva Shemayim so that forced the Chassam Sefer to say, the reason why we don't have to follow Rabbi Banachmeni, and it's considered like Torah by Shemaim, not because he was about to go up to Shemaim. He's not in Shemaim yet. But the problem is, how do we know the whole story? If Rabbi Banachmeni was alone in the field when he died, how do we know the whole story with the, the debate in the heavens? And that they turned to Rabbi Banachmeni and he uttered the words Tahir Tahir a moment before he passed away. How do we know that? It's, we didn't even, the, 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 the sages didn't even know that he passed away. They needed a, a, a note from heaven that fell down in Pumperdisa, uh, which they picked up and they found that, oh, it says that they realized that the Rabbi Banachmeni passed away. So the whole circumstances around his passing was totally in an isolated area without anybody's presence. So how do we know what he said? So it must be that just like a, a note fell from heaven notifying everybody that he passed away, there was probably also a note or a Leonovi or some other supernatural way, that they became aware of this last incident that happened at the last moments of Rabbi Nachmini's life. The debate in the heavens and his, um, his position which he was called upon to make a decision. So since the whole information about Rabbi Nachmini's statement came to us only through miraculous means, supernatural means, then that's Terem in It's not that the decision of Rabbi Nachmini himself is a decision that comes from heaven. He wasn't in heaven, he was still on earth. And as long as you're on earth, it doesn't matter how long you're going to be here for, you're still here. But since the information to us about Rabbi Manachmin is saying that came to us through heavenly means, through Ruch HaKedosh. So therefore we cannot use that story as a basis to make a decision in Allah. This is how the Chassam Sofer says, and he said, I don't understand why the Kesef Mishnah has to give this, this very um, difficult answer when there is a simple explanation why we don't follow it. Because the whole story is based on a, a heavenly information. The emphasis is that the case of Mishnah can be understood very simply. That Rabbi Banachmeni, a moment before passing, 
if we read in the, especially in the mystical sources of the Orachayim HaKadosh, or in Chesidus, says that a moment before a person passes away, something dramatic happens, especially with tzaddikim. The Orachayim HaKadosh discusses this regarding Yaakov Avinu, Vayikrevu Yemei Yisroel Lomos, Vayikrevu Yemei, what is the meaning that the days approached Yaakov Avinu to die? And he mentions there a very interesting discussion but one of the ideas he mentions there is that the days, the days correspond to various parts of a neshama. Our neshama is made of, 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 of numerous sparks, so to speak, and every spark corresponds to one day of our lives. We're given a certain amount of days that correspond exactly to these various sparks of forces that our soul is is uh, composed by and he says when we know that the neshama comes into the world to be elevated to a much higher state and this happens through our engagement in this world with holy activities divine activities mitzvahs and sometimes facing challenges and despite the challenges to stay faithful and and, and close to Hashem this is what helps the neshama rise to a much higher state than it was before it came down into the body says the Orachayim, but this doesn't happen at once. It happens gradually. Every night, he says, we sent up to heaven, to that higher state, one spark of our neshama, the spark of the neshama that corresponds to that day that we have lived, the day before we went to sleep at night. That Aveda, that mitzvah we did on that day, causes that that corresponding spark in our neshama has completed its mission on earth, it stays in touch with the neshama, but in, overall it's already in the heavens. It, has, it stays in contact with the person here on earth, but it's the, 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 the essence of, the, of that aspect of the neshama is already up. And every night, so that's why people get weaker as we get older, because uh, major parts of the neshama have already been sent up to their ultimate destiny. That's why he describes it, and he says, at the end of a person's life, David Amal says that before a person died, before death, a new a surge in a person's life, in a person's neshama, occurs at that moment, a powerful um, um, uh, inspiration that he says comes because all those sparks that have been sent up to heaven come back for an, a final last visit and they enter the body again for a moment, as if sort of bidding farewell for good with the body. And he says at that moment, the person feels a, a, a unique experience. It's a heavenly experience. The mindset of a person, it seems, changes at that moment. The person no longer sees the world through the eyes of the physical body. It sees the world through heavenly eyes. And that's the moment the person dies. It also says from the Mizrach Magi that before he passed away, he said, I don't see the ceiling. I see only the divine flow of energy that sustains its existence every moment. So this is maybe what the Kess of Mishra was talking about, that at that moment, Rabbi Banachmini's state of mind was already a heavenly state of mind, and therefore whatever he's, even his understanding of Torah was a heavenly one, and therefore we here on earth cannot accept his decision.
One final point, there is some surface explanation that Rabbi, the story with Rabbi Nachmani itself, the way it came to us, is not through natural means. And therefore we cannot use his decision as a basis for halacha is not agreed upon by everyone. Because really, what does it mean when we say It means that if halachic opinion has been uh, expressed through a heavenly uh, being, whether it's an Hashemah or a Malach or Hashem, we don't use that as a basis to decide halacha. But here, it's a different story. What the Chassam Sefer is describing is not the Rabbi Banachmeni was a was in the heavens. Rabbi Nachmeni, he contends, was on earth. He hasn't died yet. Why is it that we don't accept his decision? Why do we consider his position the way we perceive it as a heavenly position, therefore we don't rely on it, is because the way we know the story. But who says that that uh, is excluded based on the principle of Teirah As many commentators believe that Teirah when we say Torah is not in the heavens, it means when heavens cannot decide what halacha should be. But we can rely on heavenly information, for example, to know whether a certain reality is true or not, whether something really happened, whether certain facts really occurred. And so there's evidence for that in the Gemara. You can rely on Aliyah Novi coming saying that this and this occurred. Then the halacha would be decided by the sages. But Sometimes you need to know the facts for it. So here, to know whether Rabbi Menachmini said something or not, who says we can't rely on supernatural resources of information? Once we know that to be true, now, Rabbi Menachmini said, we know that he said so, and he was a human being here on earth, so why shouldn't we follow his position?